Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Astute trainers with proper training tools are always the key to unleashing your dog's full potential. For over 30 years, Dogtra has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools for e-collar training, GPS tracking, and ball training to support dog owners in developing top-notch working dogs. Trusted by professional dog trainers, canine officers, and hunters, Dogtra enhances your training journey with durable training products equipped with patented, accurate, intuitive controls and technology to ensure the best experience. Join us, and together we can make every dog exceptional. Find them at Dogtra.com. Com. Highland Canine Training LLC. To all of my fellow LE Canine guys, Highland Canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs. Highland Canine offers green and pre-trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in-house. But most importantly, they offer a full service canine academy with canine handlers courses, canine instructors courses, specialized advanced canine training, and canine supervisors courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and done that in this game. They run these classes year-round, so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's Tactical Police, the letter K, the number 9, training.com, and make your unit better. TrueScentK9.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, TrueScentK9.com. Actual explosive odors suspended in silica, not a pseudo. Hit them up, TrueScentK9.com. If you've been listening to us for any length of time, you know that Ted and I are huge fans of Pat Nolan. We've been lucky enough to interview Pat a couple times on Working Dog Radio. Each time we're in awe of this man. He's been so deeply involved in the canine world, especially obedience detection for years and years and years. He has his own website, patnolan.com. On this website, he's got a list of seminars about him, chance to get his obedience training manual, which I own and I use all the time when I'm teaching pet dogs. It is an easy step-by-step guide on how to condition your dog on an e-collar or condition dogs that you're going to be training on e-collar. He's got litter announcements on there, tons of cool pictures. Him and his wife just did a webinar. Uh, There's going to be more webinars in the future. That's a place where you're going to find him, a chance to interact with Pat Nolan on all kinds of levels. PatNolan.com, a great source. If you're a trainer, this is your place to go. P-A-T-N-O-L-A-N.com, PatNolan.com. Check it out. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. I am Eric Stanbroke coming to you from sunny, by sunny I mean horribly (laughs) rainy, shitty Ohio. Uh, With me, as always, is my partner, uh, Ted Summers in Tulsa. Ted, how's it going? Yeah, it warmed up. The sun came out today. I had to take my sock hat off. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, we're... uh, Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, the snow's melting, which is great. We had an earlier season snow, which was terrible. Uh, I had two hand... Well, yeah, I had two dudes here. Well, I had four yesterday for handler school. And they finished up tomorrow. One of my guys did their state cert yesterday and went through and they were there for 20 minutes and it was fine they were they did great um and then or wait, tuesday or whatever day this is uh so they did great another team doesn't have a state certification so we're going to send them to his national or the local guy here and then uh yeah so i've got a bunch of other dogs uh, we're going to take a week well we're not going to take a break because we've got some dogs that go out to be delivered and then i'm delivering four first week of december for handler schools and then i've got four more uh, four or five more for depending on who's when and where for January handler school and 
and uh yeah so definitely uh the holidays are not going to be slow for me <laughs> that's for sure i'm gonna be freezing my ass off working dogs what about you uh you know the uh, i my head trainer on the pet side Allie, she and i today um recorded or filmed a promotional video for the business that's the nice thing is we have you know when you have a skill set you can trade and uh so we traded a couple board and trains with the owners of this production company yeah, yeah. and they <clears throat> they came today and we filmed some stuff for commercial for social media and a couple other little websites so that was pretty cool uh we had see this daycare stuff man this dog daycare has gotten out of control I, and in a good way but i end up being there a lot more than i want and i know the same thing with uh, ali when we need really want to be out doing the dog training stuff there's 18 dogs there you know and we got to be there to help the girls because we may have you know two girls working well today for the production we had uh, all i think all 18 of them except for maybe one puppy on laying down on a place cot during the entire interview uh, in the background so that was a lot of fun as you can imagine but uh that stuff's the pet side's going really well i've got um monday uh, my buddy jake's bringing me down a, a dog that started in Fr- monday ring bring him down for me to evaluate because i have a couple contracts i want to fill so i need to get some dogs and uh other than that things are going good we we have some exciting news before we get into our guest our who our guest is tonight i want to go over a couple things we got going on um patreon we've talked about patreon a lot with everybody we talk about it on our social media we talk about it here on our websites patreon.com is our subscription website that we get on if you get on patreon.com and look up working dog radio there's different packages you can have tons and tons of content uh you know ted has dropped a shitload of videos from albany stuff that oh i've got more yeah stuff we're just not showing anywhere else but here's something cool man we were ted and alicia and i were on our group text message the other day and we came up with uh some t-shirt designs and and we're going to do a whole uh a whole series of t-shirts several of those shirts will only be available to the patreon uh members uh, at, at a ridiculously cheap price like it's crazy um you guys are going to be blown away at how good these t-shirts are so we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to get on there and take a look at that patreon.com those of you who are on it now we love you thank you for your support again don't forget we're doing one-on-ones on there so uh if you want to talk to ted or i one-on-one on facetime or skype or something bring it up mention it in there tell us what you want to talk about if we contact you make sure you're checking your messages and and hit us up i already did one i know ted's getting one set up we just need to hear back from folks uh, in that now the other thing we got going on you know everybody knows that ted and i do the scenario based training and we are part of the uh, hrd scenario training business Uh, hrd is all over we're all over facebook we have an instagram and everything like that we're setting up all kinds of seminars that we're going to be at teaching you'll see us put out ads we need decoys at some of these seminars because ted and i are running it we're going to abuse the shit out of you if you come out and do a decoy work but you're going to learn you're going to help guys grow you're going to learn some stuff from us we're going to learn some stuff from you it's going to be a blast if you take a look at our schedule at each one of these locations ted and i will be there doing uh getting ready we're going to do live interviews recorded podcast interviews all kinds of things we have a hefty schedule coming up already in uh, february 25th to the 27th we're going to be in san antonio texas march 4th through the 6th we will be in daytona florida at the bravo 3 training conference you guys this that's oh, the yeah, conference the tri- tripwire kids tripwires bravo 3 conference is it fuck all these magazines they're antiquated they're bullshit bravo 3 is where it's headed i'm telling you it's bang bullets and bite it's if you're a swat guy go 
If you're a, if you're an explosive guy, go. If you're a dog guy, go. If you are in all three of those, you got to be there. It's going to be amazing. That's March 4th through the 6th in Daytona, Florida. Fucking March in Daytona. Give me a break, guys. Come on. March 18th through the 20th, we will be in Castle Rock, Colorado. And April 23rd and 25th, the Blue Line Canine Conference in Pittsburgh, PA. That'll be us. HRD guys will be there. We're going to be teaching stuff. We're going to be doing all kinds of things. Aaron Taylor, who was just on, he's going to be giving a class. The top instructors will be there. That Blue Line seminar in Pittsburgh is going to be awesome. Uh, another HRD c- scenario training May 13th through the 15th in Philadelphia. And That's going to be insane. Hit- they just got back oh, to us. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, like a four-story building and like a. I mean, we have like half the state of Pennsylvania is what it sounds like. Yeah, they, we have all kinds of crazy right. shit. We have a subway platform, like underground shit. I mean, it's going to be gnarly. So yeah, they live. Uh, at all the training locations that we could possibly use and I actually got a little anxiety from it. I was like, holy shit, now I gotta come up with 50 scenarios. But uh, if you're gonna come that in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, man, it's gonna be a great time. And of course, we will be back with a booth at HITS August 13th through the 16th in Chicago. It's gonna be massive. We're gonna have a great time there. Um, you can check all those out at, uh, like HITS, for example, is www.hitsk9.net. Our scenario-based training one is HRD Police. K9.com. You have blue line canine training.com. Bravo dash three dot com. Oh yeah. All K9. We ain't spelling yep. shit. Right. <laughs> K nine bitches. I know we're all so, knuckle draggers, but there's gonna be one person that's like, I went and I and it didn't show up. I'm like, did you try K9? <laughs> yeah, right. 2019 is gonna be insane for for Ted and I and, and Working Dog Radio. The Patreon account, we're gonna be bringing you more great content, exclusive deals. Check it out. The t shirt, I'm telling you guys going to laugh your ass off. The, the whole series of t-shirts we're going to come up with is it's just stupid. Um, well, the first one's see, only I'm funny retired. because I, cause I yell it all the time and I end up I know. Fit, so. <laughs> uh, and, and one of the t-shirts we're going to have come out comes from a saying that Ted and I came up with during one of our interviews that the company made us cut it out completely. So uh, I thought it was genius. genius. It was genius. <laughs> and so did the guest. So. <laughs> he, yeah, he said it. We cut it, it out. So. Yeah, I, I'm going to send him a t-shirt he's gonna hear this anyway i'll send you a t-shirt <laughs> yeah so that was a good time but um but as usual you know our thing is is right here man ted and i and a guest bringing you great content on working dog radio and we didn't disappoint tonight we've got a uh, a guy that's in this business is known by just about everybody you know people know that back in 2013 into 14 i went out west and worked the uh west coast uh, naval special warfare seal contract i only worked it for four months you know i took a leave of absence from the PD and went out there and worked it and and then there was a couple guys that replaced me and then this guy he came in uh, Cameron Ford he came on board and ended up being there like four and a half years which as far as I know is the longest tenure of any civilian trainer that they've had in the contract so I want to take this time Cameron uh, Cameron Ford welcome how are you buddy I'm doing good I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on the show yeah, so yeah, sure. uh, Cameron's been you know Cameron and I've never met we we just talked recently we know we have that that common denominator there with the SEAL program uh, working, you know, we know, at least we know some of the same locations as a couple of the same people. <laughs> yeah, but, that's uh, for sure. Right. That's about it, really. But Cameron, I knew who he was well before that. He's been in the contract world doing some pretty 
high level amazing stuff for a long time so i'm gonna let you cameron get into like a little bit of your history and or a lot of your history if you want and and let's start let's kick it off all right well i'll make one correction i'm the longest serving for the west coast but there are some great Ah. guys on the east coast that have been there longer than me and um, more power for those guys that have have been able to do it as long as they have so but yeah four and a half years with naval special warfare is the most current but yeah i got lucky i started off as a little kid my neighbor a guy named bob gailey did police dogs and he had you know back in the 70s when the guard dog businesses were big and they'd put dogs on the car lots or things like that that's what i grew up next to so obviously it had a uh, big impact on me so as i got older ended up in the military air force did the uh, military working dog thing and got lucky enough to be stationed in germany of all places so i made uh, made some good use of my time and drove all over europe and got to do some cool things well, one of which was i got invited to the uh, german police dog handler school in Eckenbach, Germany, thanks to a uh, German Polizei friend of mine that uh, I found at a local Schutzen Club hanging out one time. And then over the years, he and I became good friends. And that really kind of enlightened me into being one of those things in life, you're the right place, right time. <laughs> being able to go to a school like that, not knowing how uh, profound that was at that moment in time. But looking back, it's a lucky thing I got to go experience. So doing that uh, brought me into having a business and I did the whole import dogs and I sold equipment and did all that kind of fun stuff. But during the housing boom, you know, back in 2005, mm-hmm. they offered crazy money for my old place. So I sold it and then became a cop and then been did law enforcement for a little while, SWAT and canine. And, but thanks to that business I had, I kept getting calls from uh, places that were doing contract work overseas. They needed trainers and I loved working dogs. I liked being a cop. The transition compared to where it's at now in law enforcement was in 2005 was probably the beginning of that change where, you know, there was just a dramatic shift in law enforcement that was just starting back then. So I liked doing it. I was having fun. But when they called and offered uh, the positions to do nonstop canine training and get paid good to go do it and not have to go through some of the headaches, I took that opportunity and got into our contracting world and spent some time in Texas. Now, I was smart enough to, uh, I just still had that law enforcement bug, so I couldn't quit it. So I ended up getting a a good relationship going with a local uh, agency in San Antonio area and then did some reserve canine work there so I could stay uh, active and work a dog and have fun. And I can tell you there's a big difference in law enforcement in Texas compared to many other places in the United Mm -hmm. States. So I very (laughs) much looked looked fondly on my time as a doing law enforcement in Texas because, wow, what a difference that was. So, they don't fuck around in Texas. They, no, they don't. <laughs> and, and the funny part is, almost everybody you stop has a gun. So it's not yeah. like, uh, yes. you know, you're, you're like Oklahoma. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You expect, you know, the way, you know, people get passionate about gun control and everything else. But in an environment where pretty much everybody had a weapon, it wasn't something to be overtly nervous about. You could still very easily conduct your job work in a safe environment you know we did not have officer involved shootings all that often so uh, and then just the support honestly the biggest thing that i loved being a cop in texas was the public support you know the people oh yeah 
always love you. You know, they're, they got your back. They are behind what you're doing. They want a safe community. They want that relationship with their law enforcement officers. They're not, you know, they're not coming at you with the mindset that you're trying to do something negative to them. They support you. So it was a, uh, it was a really good experience uh, being a law enforcement officer in, in Texas. So when I took the job that Eric was talking about with Naval Special Warfare under contract, I went out to California and I, I have thought about becoming a reserve officer in California. California, so I could just say I was a cop in Florida, Texas, and California, the three big areas. But uh, the three most populated states are next yeah. to New York. Yeah, I was like, but then seeing just the dramatic difference out here in California when it came to law enforcement, I, and then my work schedule, as Eric knows, it's pretty intense uh, schedule. You're going by working at Naval Special Warfare with the teams, and it doesn't allow for a whole lot of free time. So. I skipped that one, and and so you know, in the past, I've been. I am a California post evaluator, so I get to keep my law enforcement ties by going out and doing certifications when asked by the, the agencies in the areas. So it it stays out there. But oh, that's the, cool. the guys out here work really hard, and it's not the easiest job by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, because you know, we just had Aaron Taylor on, and we had Justin Rigney on. And we obviously we have Eric who just retired and now, you know, we've had multiple guys on that have all kind of like said the same, you know, Eric just said on the last episode, on the last episode, you know, he loved working out at Naval Special Warfare. He's like, I don't have to worry about being a cop. I didn't have to worry about Mm -hmm. getting fired if I told somebody, fuck you, or if I got, you know, in somebody's face about something. And, you know, Aaron kind of echoed that. And then Justin kind of echoed it. Now you're kind of echoing it. And that is not too, that is not too disparate the guys that are still doing it and that's why no, I no, do no, what no. I do because I'm a civilian I've never been in the military mm-hmm. I've never been a cop but I vehemently support my and canine handlers in general but my canine handlers and it's why like I do in-service training for free and it's why I go to a lot mm-hmm. of seminars that are local and I don't get paid and I'm there to help because I know that they have to deal with a bunch of bullshit and people are like oh you should be sure. a cop I'm like nope <laughs> yeah. don't want any part of that and it's not because I don't want to do it so I want to deal with the politics. Yeah, no. And, you know, as Eric and, and you know it as well, you go into every situation in law enforcement where the people you're dealing with are innocent until proven guilty. However, it's not viewed the same for law enforcement. Everything you deal with is you're guilty until you can prove you're innocent as a police officer. So that's that's a tough burden to bear constantly. And, of course, there's all these stopgap measures now, the cameras and this and that to kind of help prove that case for you when needed but just trying to constantly work under that pressure of okay everything i'm going to do is going to get scrutinized everything is monday morning quarterback you know hindsight's 2020 this that and the other and we all know we're making decisions within you know a second or less of a time frame and to have to live under that kind of scrutiny is not fun you know and it after all those years it wears on you and then whatever infighting occurs within your own squad or your own unit and so forth so yeah um, being able to go focus strictly on working dogs is a lot of fun when you can kind of tune out all the other crap that's trying to do a job oh believe me I know (laughs) 
yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's never it's never the actual work that runs guys out or burns guys out, you know. The part of law enforcement and canine stuff, you know, same with some of the military guys or not some, but a lot of the military guys there. You know, you get you can get the, the obviously the PTSD stuff in law enforcement from seeing, you know, dead children or, you know, all the horrific mm-hmm. things that man mm-hmm. do to each other. What burns guys out and makes them leave is all the administrative crap and court crap and stuff like that. So good choice on not doing the California thing. As we know, like San Diego, for example, is an amazing, wonderful city. And it mm-hmm. and it's awesome. But it's got what, like three million people. There are a shitload of major criminals in there. Major, sure. major criminals. Oh, yeah. You you know, they're real handcuffed over there, man. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. So so you get out, you uh you leave the uh West Coast and I see on your website Ford K nine dot com that you're you're dude, you're not wasting any time. You're all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been, yeah, my contract ended October 1st and I have been running and gunning ever since. It's been nice to uh, have some freedom to do training and education to the law enforcement agencies I've got to work with over the past month and a half and show them the value of good quality training that focuses on what, as we all kind of know, or especially you, Eric, when they talk about it in training your TTPs your tactics, training, and principles, and getting officers out of the typical canned canine training routines and get them remembering that they're still a shooter. They're still an active law enforcement officer. Yes, you're working your dog, but you can't forget your principles of getting on your gun when you have to, directing, letting backup handle some things that they need to handle and staying out of their way so those other officers can do their job while you focus on doing your job and also working and controlling your dog. So it's been a lot of fun to get out there, uh, set up some good scenarios, expose some guys to some training stuff that's as the guys in the Denver area most recently went through was I wasn't doing dog training per se as I was more focusing on them doing critical thinking, throwing a scenario at them that required them to think their way through it. What's the best option? And one of the funniest ones or the ones I enjoyed the most, and I know they did too after it was over with, but one of the scenarios was a person <laughs> kind of barricaded into in a, in a room, but I stuck a dog in a crate in front of the doorway. They had to Oh, go I saw that. I saw yeah. that come up and I was like, like oh fuck that would be oh so yeah r- uh, some dog that would be uh, some dogs would lose their mind oh i saw that eric did you see that oh, that lay that brutal. out for me let me hear that no it was brutal like oh, i saw that i was like holy shit <laughs> and it would work yes. i mean you know you go serve a warrant and some shitheads got correct pit bulls in there and uh, i yeah. told i know exactly why i did it I was like oh that's some that's, that's some clever shit right there oh it was funny <laughs> watching the handlers come move up to the uh let's say the exterior entry point so there was it was basically a room that had three more rooms in it and the decoy we had was in a back room in front of that decoy and on top of that the decoy was a woman so i was giving the dog a totally different (laughs) you know sound and look as well but then i stuck a dog in a crate in front of that doorway and they and the officers when they moved up to the exterior area all of a sudden the dog in the crate would start barking because they would hear the other dog coming up and you could just see the the look on their faces or them shaking their head like oh god is that dog really in here 
and they'd peek around the corner and sure enough yeah. they'd see the dog and then the, the two other this would be the the SWAT officers they'd have with them on this type of call would call out okay yes I see somebody they, there's no weapons in their hands they're in the back corner of this room and what I wanted them to think through was okay well we can move up with these guys get a better hold and visibility into that room have good cover on that room have one of the other officers pull the dog crate out of the way and then the dog guy can move up and then put his dog at the position he needed to be in prior to deploying his dog into that space when that time came but of course most all the officers actually decided to push their dog from the outer external area hoping their dog would go past the dog crate and into the room <laughs> and go get the Hoping. go get the decoy oh yeah and it and it took some work it you know some dogs would oh, kind of rough i was watching I was yeah like, oh this sucks oh yeah I they'd run like, around oh, run around man, that was bad <laughs> oh that was rough. So, i saw that can that yeah, be a PSA a, the, 3 scenario? Uh, we, it, well, sort of. Uh, there's a yeah. version of that that we don't have a dog, but yeah, there is a crate involved and some other shit, but yeah, that, that's something very similar to the fucking Bradshaw would do or, or Daryl Ritchie would do just to be fucking evil. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they do shit oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah, no, it was good. And, and of course, when I would do the debrief, I would give them that alternative idea that they didn't employ. I said, why didn't you have just have one of your other operators pull that dog crate out? the way they're all like because that answer was too easy <laughs> i didn't Don't think, of think it, it I, I just yeah exactly <laughs> they're just like now that you say that that makes perfect sense and i, I would be doing that well, but in that moment all i could think of was get my dog past that dog oh yeah and so. and i say that to my guys on first day of patrol school i'm like you're a cop first and can i handle second don't got any stupid or yep. bad habits just because you got a fucking dog on a leash now and yeah. you have those so the scenario that eric and i did in albany if you'd taken a dog out of that those dudes would have run that perfectly right you put a dog in there all of a sudden mm-hmm. they lose their fucking mind and i'm like yep and you know ex- when exactly you're like oh the answer's too easy i'm like you still you're still a cop you're still a swat guy tell the other person go get the fucking dog out of the way like <laughs> you it's got not it. rocket science dude like i mean you're still a cop you're still a swat operator you're <clears throat> still a canine handler you're still all these other things like you can still do those jobs at the same time oh, yeah. sometimes oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what you know i enjoy you know the, the fun part like Eric brought up was this transition that I'm doing now going from uh, doing the job I had before with in special operations and now reintegrating back into with working with law enforcement is coming up with training that has you rethink some of the ways that you do stuff or get you back on your foundations of being a police officer and working a dog and just throwing those different kind of scenarios at you you know and just like even I mean, you probably saw in the video too when the other ones we did was put an EOD robot into the scenario, you know, and have the dogs work around the robot, you know, and that was something that was different that many times guys don't get exposed to that until the real call happens. And then now the dog's like, Ooh, what's this thing? Look at Wally. And they want to sniff it and do everything to it and then figure out how to work past it. So just coming up with good training scenarios, just like you guys are doing with HRD is stuff that had, that challenges the guys, you know, challenges the officers into how to problem solve, how to come up with best deployment practices and give them stuff that they can see and work on before they face it for real. 
<laughs> That's funny. It's, what a novel concept. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no shit. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And here's something that I've, you know, because Ted and I have traveled around a lot, and I've been, since I left uh, the Special Warfare contract, I haven't been as many places around the country as you have at this point, but, and, and there's a lot of handlers going to listen to this. SWAT, and one thing, and I'm sure Cameron can tell you the same, guys, when I talk to them, are like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I got a good dog. He's not a Navy SEAL dog, but he's a good dog. <laughs> Guys, your dogs are good. If your dogs are good, they're good. They're not making some special weird prototype robot dogs for special forces. You know, their guys are going and selecting from the same vendors that that everybody else is. They they have their priorities and what they want to get. But guys, just for the law enforcement people out there... Trust your dog in the process. If you got a good dog, he's as good as those dogs there. Easily mm-hmm. as good as those dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not doing any weird magic shit. You know, they're uh, and and what a lot of law enforcement guys don't understand is they get to de- they get to work the dogs oftentimes way more than special, special operations guys do and that's why their training is more important they don't they don't have the luxury of a of a year workup program mm-hmm. you know before they deploy so um, I'm sure you see that too with guys I've had guys ask me so how's this compared to uh, you know doing the Navy SEAL stuff I'm like it, it's the same it's just a little it's just different if that makes sense it's the same but different. yeah I mean the, the biggest thing when I would select a dog for NSW the times I got to go do that it's it's the same dog everybody wants to have except i choose one that can basically be more quiet it it doesn't default into barking as a drive disbursement type behavior so i want that dog who can kind of stay quiet but yet stay in drive and stay focused and go do that job we may ask obviously within the special operations community a lot more environmentally for a dog to go through than maybe the typical law enforcement dog but with that said there's plenty of police dogs that are out there that could go through all those environmental stressors that a SF dog may go through but that said honestly the biggest thing that you just couldn't take the um, the liberty of having was a dog that would that would bark too much and in law enforcement sometimes that barking dog is an asset and it works great for uh, certain aspects but in the you know special forces community you kind of need that dog who's far more quiet can contain his drive and launch when it needs to launch but do so without doing all that you know, going crazy as it's loading and waiting for stuff to happen. Yeah, that, that was no different when I was there. They wanted dogs yep. to be quiet, and uh, it makes oh, sense. Yeah. It makes sense. So one of the things people would be also surprised about, I think I've, I've mentioned it before, is that it's nice, it's fun to go out there uh, on those contracts and do, um, you know, all the fun bite work and, and do some good scenarios. And, you know, we did a lot of that, a lot of muzzle stuff and everything. But the big thing is the nose, right? That's the uh, yes. that's the big yes. thing. The uh, the nose saves lives. Will be that way till the end of time, as far as as long as dogs are going to be used. And I know you're real big in um, science when it comes to actual nose work. Do you want to uh, you want to get into that right now? Sure. The you know. And again, as you know, in that program, one of the unique things you had to deal with is a dog who would indicate the presence of explosive odor, despite many times being keyed up or going into utilization 
that it might be a apprehension. So because obviously the operators can deal with a human threat and know how to manage that and mitigate that. But the dog is the tool that helps them locate, manage and mitigate the explosive threat because that's not what their their skill set is. Obviously, you have your EUD guys that are there, but a dog is a detection tool. So the real tough part was getting dogs that could be pushed forward, look and identify and signal that there was explosive odor present despite the urges or the desire to want to go look for the human and go make contact that way. So you had to have a really balanced dog. And then that forced me as a trainer to say, okay, what can I do better? Or how can I better communicate to the dog how important odor is and to at least at a minimum signify the presence of this odor. And then despite the heavy distractions of the environment or the desire to go into man mode and go make contact or go look for a bad guy. So in that pursuit, you know, I would go out and research and I did a lot of stuff. And and as we all know, in in our dog world, it's been a master apprentice type, you know, education process where, you know, like I did, I was trained by a guy who'd been doing it for a lot of years. And the stuff I knew, I knew from him and I could regurgitate it and and process it the same way and, and duplicate what he did. But with that comes all the errors that he trained me on. So my first first little glimpse into science was when I was in Europe. I went to the set dog school in Holland and met two people that were very much influencing to me, which was Dr. Abby Schoen and Simon Prince. And they were part of that scent dog program there. Simon has since gone on and he does a lot of good education using opera conditioning and training and how to communicate to your dogs. If you ever get to go see him or read about him, definitely go do it. And then throughout that time, that was my like my stepping stone, meeting those people that forced me to start learning better of how to communicate and then fast forward some years while on the naval special warfare contract i was watching a show on nat geo called is your dog a genius and i see dr brian Hare on there from duke university and i'm watching these little what i would call brain games for dogs being done and what they were talking about yeah Yeah. right oh i saw that right it makes you really go and go okay wait a second yeah how how much they really take in from us even when we think they don't. They are really, really into what we're doing and how we're doing it. So I see that episode and I just go online, I look him up, I shoot him an email, told him what I was doing. And within 24 hours, he wrote me back. So I thought that was really cool that he, you know, contacted me uh, and was excited about some of the questions I had in regards to, okay, how can I take what you do with, in that case, in the show was all pet dogs. They showed one segment, I think, with a police dog in their local area. And But how do I take this stuff and really refine it to help me be a better trainer, number one. Number two, what can we change that helps the dog learn better and not use the human for as much information? Because obviously within the Naval Special Warfare aspect, the dog many times is away from you and it has to be able to problem solve and or make an inference about that area to make decisions. So I'm like, okay, how do we tackle this problem and then get better on other things? So he and I started speaking. Uh, A grant was was given to Duke University and for three years, we're in the third year now, the research was done in twofold. Step one was how do we pick a better dog? So some of these tests help us pick a better dog because as, as we all know, we always focused on our drives and how good a bite is or how good play is and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and the hunting and so forth. But we never looked at how smart a dog was. And in fact, 
you know, I would say, give me the dumb dog back in the day. You know, now it's a totally different mentality for me. So <laughs> we looked at that aspect and we said, okay, a smart dog is makes a big difference. And and I can tell you the percentage rates of what we picked when I applied those tests or I, I even I did those tests after the dog was selected. Dogs that did well on those tests made it through the program no problem. Dogs that struggled on those tests ended up being washed out later on. So it was very telling on that one cool story was how I had this one dog no, no matter how these little buckets are lined up on the ground you have to do it in random order there's a little sheet of paper you follow but whatever the first bucket was would say it was my right hand side that first time I showed him this test every time every rep afterwards no matter what he chose the right bucket so he was only right twice out of six times later on when I'm doing training anytime this dog was introduced to any new let's say area let's say like a car like a car bumper or a filing cabinet or what have you he was convinced every single time that that object that's like this has odor in it but because I saw that in that test, I quickly modified my training and gave him an answer that was different, but the answer was close to what he thought was the answer. So for example, it was the filing cabinet. I stuck an object near the filing cabinet that really contained the odor, and he could go through that conflict, but find the answer much faster and realize, oh, gotcha, not just, a, just because it was in a filing cabinet once doesn't mean it's there every single time. So it allowed me to make an adjustment in training much faster and get that dog over hump quicker than it would have been in the past where I would have been like coming up with this, that, and the other, and all these other things we could do to get them, you know, realize, no, it's not the filing cabinet dummy. It's everything else. So uh, that was the one aspect. And the other aspect was the big one, which I look at on law enforcement is how much we unduly influence the dog, how much our preconception when coming into a search area dramatically affects the dog to the point of even how we look at an area, just where our face is at affects the dog. And just for fun, if people want to go out there, set up a training scenario where you face, let's say the wall to your right, but the odor is on the wall to your left. So your back is to where the odor is at, but you're facing the wall that has nothing on it. Watch your dog struggle with the fact that hey odors over here but you're looking the other way and each this is where dogs personalities kick in you'll see some dogs that will go to odor and run over to you go to odor run over you like hey look over here I got it other dogs will not really want to search an area that you're not facing so that's just one of these things that shows influence or things that we have to pay attention to especially during that initial training of the dog that can really you know your bias or your your ability to kind of show the answer affects the dog so as we've progressed in the classes i teach now going forward with detection dog stuff is setting up these brain games or these problem solving scenarios in detection where the dog has to problem solve the situation by itself and you guys just had pat nolan on here and pat is one of these guys that's evolved dramatically in the dog world during his time and a lot of what he does is now the dog makes decisions and he just reinforces the correct decision and the handler is removed or the trainer is removed out of that process quite a bit so you know like i was we, we spoke earlier i told you guys about an experiment i did in northern california at a conference and we had 30 dog teams search 
seven cars that had zero odor on them and I had 28 alerts. Now, many times dogs didn't actually go into a final response. They just would sniff longer or what have you. But handlers began to panic as they searched these cars and got to car number five, six and seven and so forth and hadn't found anything yet or any little lingering sniff someplace. They'd go back to it three and four times and then eventually, oh, uh, the, that car, car number five has got odor on it. And it was crazy to see that. But the other little anomaly that I saw was, let's say, agency A ran at position number three, but agency A also ran at position number seven. Dogs from agency A definitely knew each other's odors because they would show interest in the same general areas. Even though no odor was present, they could smell each other and just that change of behavior of smelling the other dog that they knew the handlers would see that change of behavior that sniffing that extra long sniffing let's say and automatically think well something has to be there because my dog showed a change in behavior and it was just the fact that it oh there's there's the other dog there's fido right there i'm smelling him okay then they want to move on but handlers it, it really threw everybody for a, a loop there and all i challenged everybody was in the sense of saying if i was a judge would it be unreasonable for me to say canine officer so-and-so have your trainer come to the courthouse bring your training aides with them i will have vehicles set up picked and set up and i'll have your trainer put the training odor on the vehicles for us i just want to witness you and your dog conducting a search trainer shows up the vehicles are are, are are out in the area, but as the judge, I tell the trainer, do not put anything out. In fact, bring another dog over here. We'll search the vehicles, demonstrate the, the area is, has nothing in it. Dog A, the, our, our, our test dog shows, yep, no odor here in these vehicles. Then bring the handler out. How many would have that pucker factor going on when they reach car number seven and their dog hadn't showed much? Or how much, how much they'd be pressured or influenced into thinking that something had to be there when there really wasn't anything there. So I place high value when I do certifications on handlers who can just as confidently tell me there's nothing here as good as they tell me when there's odor present. Yeah, we're going to take a second here, uh, take a break for our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and talk about apparently how I need to get fucking cable back because you learned all this shit from fucking Nat Geo. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't had cable in like two or three years, dude. I'm like, just Just fucking Netflix and just Amazon. What the hell? You can can stream it now. Oh my God. Yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and take a break now. It's no secret that Eric and I are both professional trainers, meaning that we go through a lot of toys teaching dogs to find drugs, bombs, bugs, whatever. The problem always is durability or safety. When we get a dog that's a super hard biter and a chewer, we got to go with a harder toy, which tears up their teeth. Or we get a dog that goes with a softer toy, and we always have an issue with durability or safety, having them chew it up and swallow it. I think a good solution to that is the guys from USA-Canine.com. USA Canine uses a natural rubber, which is much safer and environmentally friendly. Plus, they're also USA made and they're restringable, which is a huge deal for me since we use Dutch boxes. For every purchase you guys make using the discount code canine Pro. That's the letter K, the number nine, P-R-O. They're going to donate 10% of that sale so that we can give away some toys to deployed MWD teams across the world. Hit them up, USA-K9.com. Use the discount code, the letter K, the number nine, P-R-O. That's K9 Pro. 
Hey guys, Ted and I make no secret about the fact that we love Dogtra. We've been using Dogtra products for years, long before they became a sponsor of ours. We believe in what they do. So they're offering a discount code. You go to the website, any unit, $200 or more, put in the discount code WDR10. That's WDR10. They're going to give you 10% off that item. Go check it out, please. Dogtra, we believe in them. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at almk9equipment.com That's the letter K, the number 9, or Arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Since 1987, Bill Heiser and Southern Coast Canine have been providing better training, better service, and better dogs. Bill personally hand-selects every dog in Europe to ensure that the quality is always up to his standards. Every employee at Southern Coast Canine is charged with being a guardian of their value. Those values guide both their business and personal relationship. They believe that their dedication to the fundamental tenets of honesty, integrity, and fair business dealings ensure a legacy of success. So when you or your canine unit is looking for that dog, the one that will perform at the highest level. Be sure to give a Southern Coast Canine a call at 877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647. Let them know that Eric and Ted from Working Dog Radio sent you. Let me take a second and talk to the explosive handlers here. Everybody knows that HME is a huge problem now. The problem with training on it is that it's extremely dangerous, and a lot of times you guys only get access to it a couple of times a year, which is not enough. Nobody wants to handle TATP or HMTD. So, enter TrueScent Canine. That's TrueScent, the letter K, the number 9.com. They manufacture an actual odor, not a pseudo. It's an actual explosive odor suspended in silica. So, they do TATP. HMTD, RDX, TNT, PETN, ammonium nitrate, potassium chlorate, and they do a distractor odor too so that you can proof the dogs off of the training aids, but it's actual explosive odor suspended in silica. It's safe to handle. You're not going to blow yourself up. You're not going to endanger anyone else. And the dogs, through verified testing that TrueScent has done, will alert on both the training aids and then actual HME odor down the line through training. So hit them up. TrueScentK9.com. That's the letter K. The number nine, truescentcanine.com.
All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio with Cameron Ford. Um, like, talking some serious brain shit. So, the way the way you're doing this, uh, the smart dog, the thinking dog stuff, what has been, out of that, I'm sure you've been doing this now, testing on all kinds of different breeds, and what what's a, what's a dog that you thought, that, listen, there's no way this dog's going to sniff for anything, or going to hunt for anything, or going to find anything, mm-hmm. that you've been able to figure out some ways to get this particular type of dog to work it's been unique with being in southern california i had heard of this dog sport called nose work when i was in florida and it was kind of new there when i was out here in california all of a sudden this was apparently the birthplace for it this is where it all started so after being here a few years a friend of mine invites me he's like hey you want to start doing this with um the nose work population of, of people that compete in this and i was like okay so first time i go to one of these events it is every breed under the sun it is dogs with i would say a tenth of the drive that we in the working dog world typically work with and these people want to compete they are paying you for your time and for your knowledge to help them with their dog uh, get good at this and it really helped me become a better trainer in the fact that I really had to problem solve and take myself out of my comfort zones which was the typical way I would want to train a detection dog which was always through all this high drive and great search behaviors and all these things to a dog that looked at me and was like hmm I could really just be happy laying on the couch but since mom's here and she wants to do this let's go so you learn how to communicate better you play really really simple games which is just take maybe two items only there's just say let's say for lack of a better term two small boxes one box has and the odors they use is birch anise and clove it's just these essential oils that that, you know obviously are pretty strong but you put one of those odors and say in box a and box b has nothing in it and just because you kind of walk over and you create some interest the dog will naturally go and investigate when it goes and investigates box a that has the odor in it you reinforce that as soon as it sniffs it you can in the world that i work with now we use marker training so it's going to be either a click from a clicker and or a verbal marker letting them know hey this means you're correct and it's followed by reward so you could then take a dog whose drive levels are much less compared to what i was used to in the working dog world and still convey the same message which was this is a target go look for it and then you just slowly increase the number of available targets for it to sniff through to find the one that they're looking for and one of the cool things that when dr Hare first came to me and we were talking and going about this he asked the question why do you guys make your dog sit and i said well that's just the way it's always been yeah yeah so why do we do that yeah why do we make the dog sit and of course i'm there isn't any kind of great magical answer other than that's just the way we've always done it and it was that transition from when i first started doing canine this and i started in 1995 i would say a majority of the dogs were aggressive alert which means they were just scratching away at at whatever spot the odor was coming from within probably about three years these passive alert dogs are starting to gain a popularity so and it 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 threw the dog world for a loop a little bit because you had these really two passionate sides which was I like aggressive alert passive alert dogs suck because they can't pinpoint like aggressive alert dogs can and so on and so forth 
but no matter what, it was fighting back a tidal wave and, and it wasn't going to change. And passive alert dogs, obviously, nowadays are by far and away the most common. So, but in that evolution we went through, the sit was what was chosen as the, the, the alert of choice. Because if you go to the court findings, no, there is no, the courts have said a readable alert by the handler constitutes a final response. It does not say it has to be a sit. It does not say it has to be any position. It just says uh-huh. a readable alert constitutes, you know, what you need to have to establish a probable cause to gain entry into that conveyance. I have a funny story so, about this. So continue though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Dr. Hare challenged me on that question and I didn't have that, you know, the answer I had gave him, which is this is the way it's always been. Um, Cause he, I'm going to blame Kenny. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, he's, somehow. he'll take it. He doesn't care. He, he'll be like, no, yeah, he doesn't care. He's and, like, fuck and, you. And, it's my and, fault. Yeah. I <laughs> but the, the unique thing that he brought to the equation was, well, why aren't you reinforcing these natural behaviors that occur when the stimulus odor is uh, present? Cause the dog can't lie to you on that. That those things happen physiologically when the dog smells target. And I sat there because we've all been through it. We see the dog that locks up. It has that like oh, a yeah. perfect bird dog kind of look. And they're typically he bird says, dogs. He's true. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but look at the, the mouths will do it. The mouths do it, but they just shake the entire time they're doing it. Yeah, they so, vibrate. That's close. I mean, yes. that works. <laughs> yep. So he, you know, so he brought forward a good challenge to me as to why I was doing it in that way. So I've evolved my training and I am and always reinforce the natural behavior that happens when the dog gets into odor because there is no lying when that happens. There's nothing. I have no command in my uh, book of commands for my dog that has that dog do that behavior when, when they, like they do when odor is there. So when challenged in the legal sense, I can easily answer no. The only time this dog does this is when odor's present. You know, yes, I can ask my dog to sit. Yes, I can play games at home and reward my dog for sitting and, you know, all these different things that I can do that causes a sit. But when it comes to odor and my dog does, let's say, basically, for lack of a better term, we'll give the description of pointing on odor. The only time that dog does that is when odor is present. So by building off of that, you're creating a dog who's much more clear and is much more telling to you that odor's there. Because if that behavior does, let's say you stay with your sit alert, which is fine. If you don't typically see those those kind of changes of behaviors prior to the alert behavior, the final response to sit, then your likelihood of having odor present is much more diminished. Because whenever odor is present, you will you will always see those things. Because especially if you reinforce those other behaviors in the beginning, the dog will always do that. They, they, they just can't yes. help themselves. That's so, just what happens. Funny story. I, so I have a really 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 good friend that is a um, defense attorney, <laughs> and mm-hmm. if I I ever do anything stupid this is the guy i'm gonna call um he actually works for federal courts now um and is so you call him all the time is what you're saying exactly i'm not not gonna say his name his name starts with an r but i'm like hey r you know so and he'll call me and like oh can dogs do he called me one time saying dog smells credit cards i'm like no they can't smell fucking credit cards why he's like well it's somebody he does federal stuff so it's always some serious shit and um he asked me one time he was like you know is this we had a trooper 
in Oklahoma and he was like, well, on the dash cam, dogs didn't, didn't sit. And I watched the dash cam and I was like, and? And he was like, well, aren't they supposed to sit? I'm like, what? No. I mean, I said, how much more? And the, the, the alert, the dog froze up and the dog turned into a fucking statue. I mean, it looked like he'd seen Medusa, right? I mean, he turned to stone. <laughs> and I was like, how much more obvious do you need that to be? I was like, you realize why we do that, right? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, you know why we, why we teach a, a trained final response? And he kind of looked at me. He's like, no. And I was like, we do it for you assholes. We do it so yeah. that even the, the lamest lay attorney or whoever that is watching anything can tell that there is a noticeable change in behavior from actively hunting to pinpointing source odor without handler intervention. We don't do it for the handlers because they can tell. Like They'll call it before, like just like you said about the dogs that know each other and everything else. Like The handlers start to panic and then they start reading things that may or may not even be there. But your handlers can tell you. My handlers can tell me like, oh, he's an odor. He's getting ready to alert. And then the dog will give us an alert and he's like, they call it, right? So I tell him, I'm like, hey, you know, I mean, we do that for you guys, not for us. You know, and, yeah. and so when we write our reports, we say the dog did blah, 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 blah down the line. Mm -hmm. And then he gave me mm -hmm. his final indication, which was this. And, yeah. you know, through subsequent case law, we've determined that a TFR is not even required, that a noticeable mm -hmm. change in behavior, because like we were yep. talking before we started recording, if it's 115 degrees outside, I don't want to put my balls on the hot concrete either. But we have a noticeable yeah. change in behavior. That's all we need. And, you know, when you talk about the end, we had um, Jason Ferguson on from Highland and uh, who's yep. one of the sponsors of the podcast. And they don't teach a sit. They teach a dog to actively continue to put their nose, put their nose, put their nose, put their nose, put their nose. Yep. And, mm -hmm. you know, about six-ish years ago, I had this dog that was fucking awesome. Dog would hunt his balls off until he dropped. He would never sit. And it drove me insane. Drove me mm -hmm. insane. <laughs> and uh, to the point where I went to Scott and I was like, dude, this dog sucks. He won't sit. And he was like, why does he need to sit? And it's the same thing you just said. I'm like, well, because uh, yep. they all sit. He was like, what's he do? And he was like, he lays down. I'm, I'm like, but that's not right. Scott was like, dude. <laughs> and that dog's a gangster. He's still tearing people's days up. And I mean, and and at that point, same thing. I just finished a bird dog that we raised uh, that's at a county sheriff's department that's close to us. And he's a little German short hair pointer. And at, at four weeks old, I went over and, and viewed this litter. And I watched that entire litter point on a bird, like on a live yeah. dove or whatever. I don't know. Some kind of bird. I don't hunt. But I was like, oh, yeah. So when this dog would get I, You don't have to fucking hunt to know what a, what bird it is, Ted. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's a bird. I know it's a bird. At least that's good. It's not a fucking dog. Well, it could have been so, a fucking bald eagle. You're like, it's a, some fucking bird. I don't know. It's a bird. I don't know. So uh, the dog points. Like, he full on. I mean, yep. when he gets into odor, I mean, he freezes up. His tail sticks straight out. And, like, he, like, yep. freezes up and starts looking around. And so his handler's like, hey, he's pointing. I'm like, yeah, he's a fucking pointer. I'm like, it's in the name. Like, yeah. he's a German short-haired pointer. So, yeah. I mean, I totally and inadvertently, kind of like you, like I kind of inadvertently fell into that. And we have dogs that sit. I have dogs that stare. I have dogs that down. I have dogs that point. I have dogs mm -hmm. that do everything else. Absolutely. And it has to do. Then that's why even when I sell a new dog to a uh, an experienced handler, like I have a handler in Arkansas that has, has had three of my dogs. And every time I make him come back for a handler school, I'm like, yeah, I know you've handled, but this dog's different than the last one. And here's why. So then he starts handling. He's like, yeah. oh, yeah, he totally is. And so then he has to learn. And then so then like it's this whole process again of learning how to tell what the dog's looking at, how to tell how they're hunting, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, so it's really interesting that you bring that up because I have that conversation all the time, I feel like. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the other big one I get is it was probably, and if I look back in the calendar, but probably about six years ago, I started doing the classes at HITS and some of the other places for the marker training and incorporating a marker, a basically a terminal bridge, an end marker signaling release when it, the dog found odor and, and did the desired behavior, whatever that was. And when I was teaching them, when I was first teaching this six years ago, there was a lot, it was a lot of questions we brought up. And then there was the traditional, well, if you're not rewarding at source, then the dog is going to do this or come back to you all the time or this, that, and the other. And so I, I'll pose to you guys, just because it's a good discussion point, classical conditioning, we all know what that is, Pavlov, ring a bell, food, ring a bell, food. So when the dog hears the bell, is he reacting as for the expectation of the food? Or is he reacting as if the food is there? What would you guys say? I would say the expectation. Yeah. I mean. So, and this, that's the common answer. The dog phys- no. physiologically is reacting as if the food is present. That's why he's drooling and all those kind of things. Because his body can't help because of the association that he's reacting as if the food's in front of him. So, which is really cool when you're doing detection work and you're pairing the your release marker with the toy. When the dog hears the release marker, he's going to act as if the toy is there now all i have to do is now because we all know when the dog hears velcro what do most dogs want to do no the look you got it right so i can eliminate a lot of handler problems and a lot of other things we do by just saying hey when the dog does this i want you to use whatever signal you want to use and in a lot of cases you know yes is a common word i changed you know for me i like the word free just because it's not something we say commonly so when and dogs yeah, that I yeah. work and train, when they hear free, they know they're one, they're right. And two, they come back, they may get to play with me or they continue on with their search. But when they hear free, they at least know they're correct. That signal that is it, it's the same as if I took that ball and threw it against the wall right in front of them or right at source right in front of them. So, but it's without all of the, because we all know if a dog sees your hand moving towards your pockets or around, what do dogs start automatically doing? Oh, wait, hold on. Am I, am I right? How about this? Is this good? And they start wiggling around or sniffing or doing something because they saw you move your hand or do whatever. So you can completely eliminate a lot of the typical handler errors that we all do when now the dog is just working for that marker. It's just working for that, to hear the word free. And then it becomes a much clearer picture. Just because, like I said, we do great with Velcro. The dog's super clear when it hears Velcro, what's going to happen? <laughs> so we, we can play the same game, except now we just use a word. Uh, those that want to use clicker can definitely use clicker on that one. Uh, like Eric knows too is you know in the world that i had to work in previously a clicker is just not something that they're going to carry on them no it's a device you can you can lose it can break it can fail so but the one thing you'll never screw up is you know your word you'll always right. have that you know you can't forget it yeah somebody so, who's really good at this uh that i want to have back on is rigney yes and, so yeah. justin and i've really got yeah. got so he and i got down and dirty with it some years ago right but yeah really really yeah. good with it justin's a ninja with that shit him and uh nesbeth nesbeth is, is yes really with it so absolutely uh, mike's great with it too yeah so let me let me ask you this then cameron because we talked about this briefly the other day and you can kind of give a a quick little tutorial um sure so there's a lot of folks out there that are doing marker training they think they're doing marker training and what 
are they doing wrong? You said you, you and I were talking, you're like, I see a lot of people doing market training. They're actually not doing it correctly. Yeah. A lot of times the, they'll do the mark too late and, and marker and, and Kenny and I have had a great conversation about this. He sat in my classes and he, he brought up a very valid point, which was guys were waiting for the, the dog would do the behavior and then start returning. And then they're, they're giving the mark then. And so therefore the, the dog did what you wanted to do, but didn't hold the position long. And there's no duration for that behavior. It's just like, oh, here's odor, come running back. And then guys are automatically giving the signal, the reward, whatever the marker is, giving that and rewarding. What they really should be doing is building duration. And those that are that have been watching Justin's videos or Michael's videos, you, you will see they actually spend time teaching the dog to hold its behavior at that target until it hears the marker. That's no, a common mistake. Is, I even saw Rigney mark the dog inhaling. Yes, correct. So that's another step forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but that's the most common thing is the, the mark comes too late. You know, people, the dog understands, okay, I found something, let's go play because that's how you initially start. It's pretty quick in the beginning, but you have to evolve and create duration, create duration, and then add your variable reward schedule there. Because once they know the odor, you don't have to pay them every single time they find it. In fact, there is very good stuff studies and those that want I'll forward it to you guys to put out on your website it's basically dopamine the expectation of reward actually is higher than getting reward every single time so it's that's why vegas works you know just because we pull the handle we're not getting jackpot every time we're always excited because we never know when we're going to get jackpot and you know there's the whole you know let's use this in the dating concept those that got lucky the very first night versus those that had to put in some work and then got lucky you know you know you got to have your fun times within date number five or number six you were willing to put in the work because you're like this is going to be well worth it you know versus the constant just satisfaction do we get satisfaction after on the easy low-hanging fruit sure you can but you actually have a better dopamine release and you and you have stronger dopamine with the expectation of reward versus getting paid every single time so once you start it then you evolve into your variable reward schedule and i tell you what the dogs that that understand that and you're using that are super solid and really don't need a handler other than then driving them to the area and bringing them to the area to go search and that's about all you're needed for and then provide reward at whatever point you choose to do it yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. i mean and that's one thing that i you know i mean you know because i provide a lot of finished dogs so yep. that's kind of one of those deals where i don't explain a lot of this to handlers and the timing portion of this is such a crucial aspect of it and it's one thing that it's extremely difficult to maintain now thankfully you know you talked about a little bit about the beginning of the episode of how policing has changed and everything else. And some of that yeah. is the influx of millennials. Um, yeah. Thank God I'm old enough to not be one of those. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of my handlers are. And the sure. upside of that is those dudes played a shitload of video games as kids. Yeah. So they have yep. awesome hand-eye coordination and they have awesome timing. I have a handler yeah. right now. He's going to finish his, he's going to finish his school. When he came through, he's 20, 30, 30 or 31. Um, was uh, 82nd Airborne. Now he's a cop. Can I handle Right? So he came in and like his first couple days were rough. Like I had to reward the dog <laughs> because sure. his oh, timing yeah. was fucking terrible. So, you know, he, it was bad. And I was like, you know, 
all right. So, and I kind of pulled him aside. I was like, all right, you got to get better at this, that, and the other. This is what I want. And this is what they're looking for. And this, that, and the other. And he was like, all right. So, I mean, now, I mean, you'd think this dude had been handling dog for a couple of years. And because he's sure. right on it. He's, and he'll tell me, like, he'll walk the dog down the bus and he'll be like, oh, he's on it. He's on it. He's on it. Watch, 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 sit. Oh, boom. There it is. And he, and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. Now, stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, I know you're excited, but stop. Like, I get it. He's like, oh, and, and then so because he doesn't hear or understand like everything that and this is this dog's second handler so mm-hmm. i i'm like yeah, so i'm like okay now i know you're excited but just stop like drop the leash and walk away from him for a second and come back yeah <laughs> so but yeah the, no, the I more you're out of the equation the better that timing is something that's huge like i do a lot of retreads for dogs that i didn't train and the dogs and the handler will come through, right? So the department will call me and say, oh, we're going to reassign the dog and we want to do a handler course. I'm like, all right, cool. So the dogs show up and I'm like, well, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. And and yeah. timing is one of those. And I can watch a dog work and be like, oh, I know exactly how they did this. <laughs> and then both oh, tracking, yeah. and tracking bite work and a detection, like, oh, I know exactly how they did this. And yep. so then I have to kind of like back chain a little bit and talk to the handler. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, here's what you need to do. Here's where we're going. Yep. This is what it should look like. And that's what I want you to do. And they're like, oh, okay. And they don't ever ask why. I mean, very rarely do I have them ask why. And if they do, I'm like, look. And I kind of give them, I have a pre prep speech that I've said so many times that I get tired of saying it. But I'm like, you know, this is this is how this works. This is why it works this way. And this is why you're standing here holding a leash. And you're standing here holding a leash because toys don't have legs. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. just stand there and shut the fuck up and wait. And when he does something that he's supposed to do, then you do something. Other than that, Sam. No, you bring up one of the things I, I, I have highlighted in bright red in every lecture I do. And the saying is, in the absence of you doing something, your dog will do something. Something. You do not have to jump and get involved every yeah. single time. Just stand there, which is the hardest thing for us to do. We all, I always ask everybody in every class I do, what's the thing that we all suck at as humans? We all have zero patience. We all feel we have to jump in, get involved, and do something when we don't. If Especially you just stand cops there, and fucking special operations. You guys. got it. <laughs> you got it. Absolutely. Those are the right. worst. They want to do we something. Are, fuck something. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Because we feel we have to control the situation. And it drives us nuts when we can't be in control. So it does. It takes a lot of restraint, but I always say it. And then, of course, I even use it with the nose work people. In the absence of you doing something, your dog will do something. Just be patient. And you will. You'll see it every single time. You'll, you Let's say the dog went to odor, gave a quick change, and then moved on. And it drives people nuts. Oh, my gosh, my dog left odor. I need to get involved and bring him back to odor and tell him to go. No. Watch. Just stand there. I promise you the dog will go back to the odor. And the dog, the dog will go around the room, check some other stuff, and goes back to odor and then i'll ask them why do you think the dog went to odor and then moved on and most you know give random guesses the number one reason that that happens is because in all of your training you have another odor target somewhere in the general area of that first one and that first odor may not be the one because just like us dogs like certain things better than other things and that includes odors so the dog may go to that first odor and go oh yeah that's i know that one but hold on where's the good one at the good one's going to be here somewhere and within a couple seconds or so they realize oh it's not here they will go back to the other one okay here it is we've 
see that happen and we're like in our mind well that's hide number one they can't go to hide number two yet until they tell me hide number one's here or if dog's off leash they get away with it but a lot of times when the handlers see that dog walk that first odor or to show small interest and move on they want to get involved and the biggest thing is it's hard for all of us to do is just sit there and let it happen let them go back and once they go back and they respond to that target you can then give your marker and it's a big and the game happens after that it is it's so hard for us not to want to jump in and, and uh, dictate my what men- happens like my mentor is also my business partner and you know he's an old seven special forces green beret who has mm-hmm. the fucking patience of a like a buddhist monk apparently <laughs> and he's always like you need to be patient i'm like no no i don't and he's right so and, and usually all the mistakes i make are attributed to me wanting to go fast and i'm like okay this dog sucks he's like you need to give him time i'm like no i don't need to give him time fuck this dog and he ends up it's 99 percent of the time he's right so <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah he's i still do it myself on me, so you know whatever <laughs> it's oh, yeah. all right I'll, I, I'll be wrong i don't care i'm just as guilty i you know especially i got my new pup right now i'm training him and the other day i set up a training scenario where i was going to record him searching the different little elbow pipes that are on the ground and he was doing okay it wasn't great and i was kind of frustrated with how he's performing and my girlfriend looks at and i asked her she said something to me and i said well, what do you think the what did you see she goes there's too many choices and i was like i could have kicked myself because she was right <laughs> he had easy. six yeah he had six options and i hadn't really presented more than let's say three or so to him before so when i doubled it it was too many so it took him longer to find the right answer and he caught he wasn't quite ready for that yet and i was impatient because i saw progress in other areas i wanted to jump in and go okay well you can do it all now and she called me out on it immediately and she's not even a dog person she just happens to watch me do this stuff and then said hey this is what I see. And I was like, okay, mm. yep, yep. I need to, I needed that little line check myself, and yeah, no, I need to be patient no. and follow the system. My kennel <laughs> Most tech guys is would have awesome ignored Jamie. that. No, my kennel tech is like that. She, Jamie's like 20, I don't know, 21 or 22, and occasionally I'll get frustrated, and she's like, why don't you try this? I'm like, fuck. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, damn it. Okay. <laughs> yep. I walked away with my head down and went, I, see, I am still the problem. I am still the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So before we get into the future, real quick, I want to touch on something with the um, the clicker or the marker and the clicker, whatever, as uh, in the speed. I am fascinated by the videos I see of guys doing marker training with chickens. Have you done that? Yes. Oh, yeah. So yes. Yes. Mike is up in the, the first guy that started it was Bob Bailey way back in yeah. the day. And uh, Simon Prinz, the guy I was talking to about from Holland, he actually went to Bob Bailey. Actually, I guess he had basically bother Bob Bailey for a while because Bob was kind of fed up dealing with us cops, knuckle draggers that would take part of his information and then not really do the whole system and say, oh, that system sucks. So he apparently put Simon through the ringer and but Simon went through it. And then you got guys like Mike Suttle right now who are who are teaching it. And I'm, uh, Eric, you're absolutely right. It's a great tool to teach you timing because, like the old Rocky movie, you know, you got to be fast to catch a chicken. Well, you got to be fast to mark a chicken because as you're playing these little <laughs> these little games with with these poker chips, where the the chicken you know pecks the correct color poker chip, you got to be quick with that mark so it knows it's right. Because if you're slow, it, it may peck two 
two chips and with three seconds time, you're like, holy cow. Okay, well, now nah, I screwed that one up. And the joke that I have is like, if you can if you can click on a chicken, you can click on a Malinois. <laughs> so if you're quick enough to click right. a chicken, you'll be quick enough to click a Malinois. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> ball, absolutely right. That's absolutely one of my right. decoy school. But no, it's a lot You can click a Malinois. I'm going to have to mess with that. So going forward here uh, with all the nose stuff that you do, you're going to launch a podcast here soon or is it already yes, out? Yes, we're going to – I just started putting it together. And, of course, I'm going to be offline asking you guys some advice as I've learned this game a little bit. Yes, we're going to do a podcast called Talking Sense and spelled sense like odor. And it's a podcast dedicated to – basically it's going to be like educational where we're going to do like I want people to send me questions just like we did today uh send me questions so we can talk about it but at the same time also bring in these various uh whether it be psychological or scientific or even chemists online to discuss one how odor works to how do dogs yeah exactly all i want to have ellie is a ninja Yeah, no, it, we because we we really don't have a great grasp on you know we're still learning so much about the dogs and how they take odor in and then number two, how does odor react in the environments and then especially the things that we train on and those that are in the bomb world, well there's all different kinds of different chemicals we're dealing with that react very differently and very volatilely with the environment. So the more so the whole goal of this podcast is to go from the people that do nose work talking about stuff in the nose work world to the professional who's out there searching stadiums and doing, you know, VIP events with a bomb dog. But the whole goal is to discuss, you know, basically detection work and all the different parts of that in that world. You should have Temple Grand on. I will have, I will be glad to have everybody and anybody on just because it's all valuable. If you can get a hold of her, that's a fascinating, I mean, because she's not like a dog like person, but she is Mm -hmm. a she is a like animal behavior she's the one that designed like all the stuff for um like the cattle industry and everything else but i have a friend that was a handler um and was a head trainer uh or it was not a head trainer was a trainer for um not naval special warfare but another one of those groups sure and um he went out and talked to her and he she helped him design a protocol and a what's the best way to say this a device um for doing some imprinting that okay. uh that um they still use as a giant thing and they flip it over and say that's, 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 that's really cool but when he told me about it i was like that's fucking genius and he was like yeah i talked to temple grant she told me how to do it like, oh, well i mean yeah okay yeah but no i mean she's she would be good uh, i mean you know and you know it she's that's a that would be an I, awesome I would love to she's, I, we're, I think she's at, uh, she's University of Colorado still if I remember okay right. yeah yeah older yeah, no, yeah would, that's right she's if you're out there Temple reach out we will gladly do a podcast and and go over uh, a lot of the great stuff that comes into scent work and what her experiences are and, and advice and things like that that would be amazing yeah no Colorado State University there you go so okay. I mean, she's yeah. like deals in livestock mainly but she's like an animal behavior ninja and like that's yep. her thing and she also does a lot on like autism and Asperger stuff. Um, oh, okay. She, she has Asperger's and is very like outspoken about autism and like animal <clears throat> behavior. Sure. Stuff, 
which is kind of the joke, which is why people joke that I'm like the fucking rain man. Like my handlers always call me that because I'm yelling at them about stuff. And I'm like, well, it comes easy to you. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I don't like people. So I like dogs. So leave me alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. They call you that because exactly. you repeat things over and over again. I do. And then it becomes a fucking T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly right. Marketing, marketing and, and genius right there. For those of you who are listening to you, if you're going to train dogs and be in this business, you got to become a studying human psychology as well oh, um, absolutely that, that's that's you know we talk about that a lot with the handlers but learning the whole different ways guys learn is, is so important to the point where like i've had guys come through my class that we're, we're intelligent dudes man and been in law enforcement for a long time and doing a great job and then they come into class and they they're like man i am really i'm really fucking this up like i'm i'm not sure trying to I'm not, I'm screwing this up big time. I, I, I'm really struggling with learning and you got to learn how to, um, how they learned. Are they the type that, you know, have to see it, have to do it, have to watch someone do it, have to have it written down, that type of thing. So your, my, my charge to you, Cameron, is you have to come up with a clicker system or marker system for humans. Okay. That's your next grant. Get that grant. All right. Some sort of marker system for humans. It might be a slap in the face uh, or something along those <laughs> or, lines. Or maybe just the, the ass. The e- Caller goes on the human. That's You've never seen that episode of the League. You've never seen that episode of the League. Listen, I don't have Uh-oh. fucking cable. Oh, we that's just right. Went over we just this. talked about that. We need to get okay. Yeah. So no, there's a there's an episode of the League where everybody can go Google this. I don't remember which one it is, but uh, one of them double clicks a pen, and the other one gives up and is like, "Oh, you want a beer?" And his wife's like, "What in the hell?" And he goes in and gets him a beer, and he was like, "Oh, I taught him to do it in college." So the entire episode, he sits there and double clicks his pen, and every time he does, he stops what he's doing. The other guy stops what he's doing and walks into the into the kitchen and grabs him a beer. Perfect. Well, there's oh, an there's episode on. That's how you start. <laughs> you you got to watch the. <laughs> office there's an episode on the office where the guy jim sits across from that guy dwight the more dorky guy and every time his computer the windows thing turns on he asks him if he wants a mint and then after like the fifth or sixth time he does this to him day after day the, the his computer turns on makes that noise the guy sticks his hand out they have a mint and he's like what are you doing because i don't know my, my breath <laughs> my breath feels episode. really weird <laughs> yes exactly so i use that i use that as one of my little joke videos in my uh, lecture just because that's exactly what you're talking about in the league thing yeah it's just another little spin on it so do you have any seminars coming up you want to pump? Yeah. So one of the cool things, I'm actually going to Pennsylvania to go visit one of your great sponsors for this show, uh, Tripwire. Uh, Ryan Morris and I uh, are going to sit down and we are going to start doing all of these classes out at Tripwire. And I will be out there being a part of the Tripwire team. The facility so is whether fucking it be crazy. The, I, awesome. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, well, I've so been out there, I, I've been is, out there it's a couple a, times. It's awesome. It's a huge honor for me that he considered me to, you know, be a part of uh, of his group. Obviously, he's done some great things in the EOD world, and he's made a big change. And to be thought of and invited to go do this with him is, I can't wait to go do this. But anyway, the classes, whether it be our uh, integration and tactical operations, uh, the marker training, which is really great for bomb guys, because as those that have seen the videos, when the dog alerts, holds his position, when it hears the signal, the dog comes back to you. So now you, you have a dog who is out of the danger zone when after the alerts made and what procedures you do after that can be handled so it's a huge 
plus, and we discussed this in, in the class that we'll do, is how to implement this, whether it be a new dog and or a dog that's already been you know training for a while. So we're going to do those classes. We're going to do integration with drones and robots. Um, that was a request that's come up quite a bit because now that drones are becoming more and more popular, getting a dog just used to working with that little drone, making all that noise hovering right above the dog and not distracting it has been something that we will we will cover and start doing. And then doing uh, just your normal basic uh, detection dog stuff, uh, especially when it comes to explosive stuff and all the stuff that Ryan already has on his website. So yeah, going forward, uh, a lot of my classes are going to be done in conjunction with uh, with Tripwire guys. So like I said, I'm super excited to go do that. Those will be going to be in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania for anybody listening. <laughs> yeah, Gettysburg and we're putting the show on the road. We will come to you. Oh, there you go. Uh, cool. Yep. And the real cool thing is by one of the things that was brought up is uh, from the Denver seminar was doing integration. So we'll come to your area, bring all the required you know materials, whether it be less lethal or this, that, and the other, but doing four-day seminar where there's two days where you have the dog guys working with operators, operators working with a specialist in clearing. So doing all your clearing drills, working, you know, clearing space, whether it be rooms, uh, buildings, so forth. And then the EOD component working, you know, separately. But then the last two days, all components come together and do scenario after scenario jointly. So that way everybody's clicking. So the one part dogs working in and around the operators. So that way those operators feel comfortable with the dog around them and they're not going to get bitten and they can actually see what the dog does they're even being trained on how to assist when needed like give the dog a direction if they're coming into a space or the dog's confused or needs whether it be laser or hand signal then you've got the operators getting some good training from uh, a former sf individual who will then show them some of the different ttps with clearance that's more dynamic and then the eod component you know, working with Ryan and the other guys, working with the robots, and then putting all those pieces together. So we come to you, put all those pieces together. So that way, the now instead of just having a couple guys getting trained when they go to a location, a schoolhouse or whatever, the schoolhouse comes to you, and you can get you know twenty five to thirty officers trained all together in one setting. So that yeah. was a unique idea. That'll be really uh, cool. Yeah, yeah Bravo yeah, Three on the road, the road show. Yeah, you got it. Uh, that's that's exactly right. That is exactly what the Bravo Three show is about, and that's why. Absolutely. I mean, that, and it's a fantastic idea. Plus, I mean, if you're going to have those guys out there, you know, they can train with the bomb units and everything else, too. I mean, I'm sure yeah. Ryan, I'm sure Ryan's not not an idiot. I'm sure he's thought of that. So I'm sure he's going to hear oh, this yeah. and be like, fuck Ted. He knows I know that. Blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, or oh, Josh. So it's probably not Ryan. It's probably Josh. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, somebody will let you know for sure. This, yes. You know, we're not reading of it. But it's just really cool because it was, you know, very rarely do you get all three components doing practical exercises together with instructors right there ready to assist. You know, we 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 do the conferences where we go through classroom, but to be able to then go put it all together and and do it specifically for your agency or your metro area, if you have a conglomerate of agencies working together, it's uh, it's not something that's been done very often. But we saw that that gap in that in that space and said, hey, we can we can easily fill that and obviously as you guys know tripwire had so many of those resources right there in their hands to make that happen oh yeah yeah they're good times and if you're um especially on the east coast man if you need canine training aids 
for uh, oh, like yeah. live explosive. They yeah, yeah. Uh, tripwire guys have it all, man. They got it. They got kits set up for canine units that they'll deliver. You can go pick it up. Gettysburg is yep. not far from anywhere on the East Coast. It really isn't. It's an easy drive. Yeah. Plus, Ryan and them boys love to party. So if you give them some uh, advance uh, notice, and you can spend it. Getty's, Gettysburg is haunted as shit too. So fuck yeah, it is. that <laughs> Ryan's place is haunted. Like, ask Josh, man. Josh is like, oh no, those ghosts are there. They're they're bomb ghosts or something. I don't know, but it's haunted for sure. Oh yeah, no, the, like you said, so plus they're always on the they're on the road anyway all the time delivering those yeah. explosives. Oh, yeah. They, they are, yeah. So let's talk about uh, where people can find you, like uh, yes, websites and social media and all that stuff. Yep. So if you can you can look it for me on my website fordk9.com and just like you said, it's just fordk the number nine dot com. Uh, obviously, also on the Tripwire website, those are two main websites, and then on Facebook, just look up at fordk9 or at fordk9 and you'll find me on Facebook. And then if you want to email me directly right now, just email Cameron at fordk9.com. And I spend a lot of time now. I was not a big uh, social media person for obvious reasons the past number of years. And I am now getting baptized by fire, but I make it my goal to get back <laughs> in a hold of everybody that I can that contacts me, but usually within a day or two at the most. That's great. That's great. Excellent. You're, uh, the social media you'll find, you know, we talk about all the time. It's, it's a necessary, necessary evil. evil for sure. Yeah, no, I have, I have learned. And that was the one thing I was getting laughed at when I was in Denver. It was like, as I was running students, my walk from the end of the scenario, walking to the starting of the next scenario, I'd be either answering an email or a text message or whatever. I could not believe, you know, just the change of how readily available you have to be these days on social media and oh, yeah. just to keep your, your audience engaged for sure. Which I know is like you guys do really great job and it's been an inspiration for oh, me no. as oh, I yeah. move forward with the, with the podcast stuff is I watch how engaging you guys are and you're you know reaching out to your followers letting them That's know what's coming all, up and, well almost yeah. all Alicia so that is yeah she beats the shit out of Ted and I she oh, God. beats the shit out of us <laughs> holy shit like, I need content she, now I'm like yeah. I'm taking yeah. the shit I mean yeah or fuck I'm busy <laughs> I got like 10 fucking handlers here I can't take t- 10 minutes and make a fucking video I'm sorry she no that is that she's is never wrong me. though yeah, that is when true. she oh, asks yeah. she's right I'll be like yeah, fuck yeah. cause you have to you have to you know we talked about Aaron you have to post every day have to yeah. have to have to have to post every day and, it's amazing um, how if you don't you fall, how far down the list you'll fall if you don't do that oh yeah no, no shit. Uh, she, she algorithms has, for a reason. Uh, she yeah. has she has that shit down to almost a science, and she'll be like, "You can't post until this time." I'm like, "Fuck, why?" And she has some drawn yep. out reason. I'm like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there, yeah, there's oh, yeah. definitely. So uh, she, knows I, I've learned sure. that too. When I was doing Smart the Police lady. Canine Association, posting all the Police Canine Association stuff, um, I knew that people waited on Wednesdays for me to do it at about four o'clock, three thirty, four o'clock. If I posted it eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock, I missed it. Uh, That's why there, these episodes you know, come out on days and end in threes. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, it's easy to remember. <laughs> so Ted, where are you at? What do you got going on? Where, where, where I'm find on the Instagrams, uh, Ted underscore Summers, and of course we've got the the show one, which is working underscore dog underscore radio, and then I've got Torchlight K nine letter K number nine, which is the kennel side, uh, and it's got me doing dog things, and then uh, of course working dog dry goods, which is all the muzzles and stuff that Alicia still does when she's not yelling at us. Uh, 
um, and, and uh, yeah. So, and then we're on Facebook on the same ones. Um, I'm pretty sure we have Twitter, although I don't use it a whole lot. But uh, and then of course we have the Patreon, uh, which yes. is Working Dog Radio, um, which I'm editing a bunch of video now from Albany still, and I am going to do the out video for everybody listening. Everybody's asking for the out, like the brakes bar and the handcuffs, and then you know how to do the other stuff. And I'm going to work on it. And then Eric or I is going to do the. Uh, the hunt drive video because um, I w- flew off on a tangent at one point about we don't wash dogs for lack of identification target or we lack we wash them for lack of hunt and it's a whole conversation which we kind of had one here and then one with Aaron and then one with Justin Rigney too so uh, but yeah and you are where Van S? I'm at uh, Instagram is Van S Canine uh, that's mostly the police dog stuff I'll throw up a picture of um, you know see I got this new the new iPhone with that portrait mode I, I just fucking love it, dude. So I'm taking pictures of, you know, golden retrievers and other little other dogs and other shit. But uh, police dog stuff is on there. Um, Van S Canine Academy on Facebook is some police stuff and a lot more of the my local pet business. Um, I have a, a daycare page on there. Nobody that's not around doesn't really care about that. Uh, VanSK9.com. I have the police stuff prices. I have um, pet stuff if you're local. Listen to this. And, and even if you're not local, I'll drive to pick up your dog. It don't matter. Um, I learned that from Aaron. Drive a couple hundred miles, motherfucker. Uh, there's dogs out there. I'll do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, VanSK9.com. Um, you know, I'm doing, I'm available doing seminars, um, you know, small private stuff and things like that. Having a good time doing that. Yeah. And we mentioned the HRD I know, police canine thing too. Yep. The, the show. So H- that one. HRD, uh, check out, just Google HRD. Um, high risk deployment is what it stands for. We are doing, you know, we're bringing our, our brand of scenario based crazy ass shit to you. Uh, you don't have to come to us. We're going to come to you and uh, set up scenarios all over the country. It's fun, man. We have a good time doing it. We'll, we'll put your dog through the test, show you some shit that you probably didn't think they could do. Give you what we like to do is give you a some things when you go home that you can work on. When you go home, here, try this scenario. We're, we're going to do you know three or four scenarios, and we're going to tell you about ten scenarios so that you can take some shit home with you. We actually have one and, of our Patreon members run the uh, brown hole scenario. And um, it it was he said that everybody loved it, and uh, he inboxed me and asked me like oh, how do we how to set it up and everything else. But yeah, I mean, we had a Patreon member up in Michigan. Yeah. Again, keep on Patreon.com. Yeah, keep Patreon.com. The T-shirt's coming out. It's going to be a whole handler series. You guys are going to love it. You know, we have an infinite amount of ideas uh, on these things. And uh, the Patreon members, I- I'm telling you, the amount you're going to pay for a T-shirt, it's dirt cheap compared to uh, when we launch for everybody else. Some you will only get on Patreon. So, um, again, Cameron, yeah. uh, I appreciate your time, man. I know you're super busy. Absolutely. Um, oh, I back back home in California. For about five minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. No, it's and, and you. While I think about it, you guys can edit this in there if you want to. But Ted, you brought up something that was very big during that Denver thing. I totally forgot about it, which was the breaker bar or the I'll call the out removal tool. Oh yeah. That needs to because I had basically all the handlers use it. 
with everything being on video these days and seeing the typical strong out or tactical lift off or all the different names that exist for basically taking the dog off by grabbing the collar and restricting the airway by just using a tool that the Europeans have been using now for 25, 30 years. Yep. It is so much more efficient. It is actually a whole lot easier on the dog, and all you're simply doing is reaching in and touching the gag reflex, and the dog yep. comes off. Exactly. So much cleaner. I also had all the SWAT guys also use it, so that way they got comfortable with it because yep. and now it turns into they're they're all all those all the uh, non-dog handler SWAT guys are going to carry carry one on them, so that way they in case something happens to the handler, they have a way to get the dog off safely. And that is so, something we teach, and in all of my dual purpose all of my guys get one I teach them how to use yep. it and then I teach them how to use yep. hand because the first thing every shithead asks is oh what happens if you drop it I'm like well one don't two you can use something that you always have on you which is handcuffs you, and here's you how you do it, right. it and they look at you like you're a fucking wizard right like I've never yes. seen it oh, yeah. like, I've been a dog handler for eight years I'm like watch this and you do it they're like yep. holy shit and they're Absolutely. like, do that again. I'm like, well, you do it. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to choke my dog off again. I'm like, well, no, no, that's not. <laughs> no, it's another that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, and even Eric, you know, his old department. I mean, they, you, Eric, you're, all your dudes used them, too. Like every single one of yeah, you guys had them. We got them for every one of them. They had to wear them on duty. And, and part of my SOPs and my training was you will use the breaker tool. You will not say a word on your hours. You'll just take them off. Up. And yep. yes. and it works great because uh, we had a couple bite videos go viral. And yep. using the breaker tool without a bunch of out commands um, eliminated the whole you left them on too long argument. Uh-huh. Um, that's that that was over over and it, in it goes seconds. back to exactly what i was saying to cameron a minute ago about the reason we teach a sit so that some even some dickhead attorney can look at it and be like oh well he's clearly an order yep. even now and i no. show my friends that are attorneys this and i'm like where do you see this is a lack of control because that's the first comment people make like oh, your dog's under control is it an out i'm like what looks cleaner than me walking up calmly saying put take put your hands behind your back and i'll take the dog off they do yep. i reach down yep. i grab mm-hmm. his collar i pop him off and i'm like now stand up and walk the ambulance <laughs> like correct what, what about yeah, that correct. is under control Control. Oh, what if this is not under control? Hmm. Not only that, the All right, guys. veterinarian will tell you that's a safer and better way than the took off. Oh, yeah. So. Right, yeah. For yeah. sure. So, all right, we're, we're going to get into a whole other rabbit hole here. So. Oh, God. Sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cameron, Cameron, stick around so we can talk to you off air, buddy. Yep. All right. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. All right. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom. And we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up, specifically for guys in this podcast. For if you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely. And these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.com 
org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. Again, tripwireops.org. We love USA Canine Dog Toys. They are inspired by military objects and built to withstand the demanding use of professional canine handlers. USA Canine Dog Toys are made in the U.S. from a durable super chewer rubber compound. Ted and I love them and use them all the time. Go check them out at www.usa-k9.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at Brother Deeg, spelled D-E-G-E dot blogspot.com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.